If you have your Bibles, let's go to the next God question. We're in a sermon series on the questions that God asks. It's a pretty fascinating thing when you go through Scripture. Maybe you've never stopped and thought, man, I didn't realize God asked so many questions. I thought God was just the answer guy. He gives us answers for life, and he is. He gives us answers. And sometimes he helps us find answers to what we are searching or what we need to know through questions he asks. And so we are in Matthew chapter 6. If you'll find the gospel of Matthew, go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. As we see Jesus beginning to teach these awesome life truths, we look at these first, or this first verse, verse 24, and we find this reality that everyone has a master. Now that may surprise you. You may think, well, we fought a war over that, and that we did away with slavery, and there's no such thing as master and slave anymore. I want you to understand, Jesus said, as long as there are human beings on this planet, there will always be the issue of slavery. Now, I'm not underplaying the history of our nation. I'm not downplaying the scar and, uh, and the tragedy of that past. But what I am speaking to is the reality of the slavery that started all the way back in the garden and has existed ever since. Jesus said, you will have a master. Everyone has a master. Now, some of us, we're mastered by our selfish desires. Uh, I remember outside of Christ... It was my selfish desires that owned me and guided me and, and, and dictated my day and what I was going to do and where I was going to go. We have a master. There are others they are mastered simply by the things of this world. Uh, we are consumed with it. Uh, there are companies, billion-dollar companies that exist today because of our selfish desires and because of our desires for the things that they create for us. We are mastered by those things. And then there are some who've come to realize that all of our desires and all the things of this world are nothing but vanity. They are lacking. They don't fill us up, and it doesn't work, and it isn't what we find our joy and our sustenance in. And we've come to realize that what fills us is we truly do need the Master, the Lord and the Savior of our hearts. You can't serve Jesus and your selfish desires. You can't serve Jesus and desire the things of this world. Jesus was saying, you can't have two masters. It doesn't work. But everyone has a master. Now, your master will determine the reality of your day and the reality of your life and ultimately the reality of your eternity. But as we dig in this morning, Jesus is also going to show us that your master determines whether you live a life of worry or a life of that is worthy. There's a big difference. You can waste your life with worry or you can live a life that is worth the glory of God. Look at verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as what you will put on it. It's not li is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he gives examples. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, do they, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more worthy than they? Look at verse 27. And who of you, being worried, can add a single hour to his life? 
There's your God question if you want to write it down in your notes or if you want to just take a look at it or maybe underline it there in your Bible. Look at that question again in verse 27. Who of you? Matter of fact, we'll give you an opportunity this morning. I'll I'll let anybody who would, I'll let you have the rest of the sermon time. If you can stand up and say, I'm a living testimony that worry has made my life better and it fixed everything. Anybody? Here's your shot. You get it. And Jesus was saying, think about it. Come on. Which one of you has ever had a single minute, much less an hour to your life through this issue called worry? Now, we answered a question earlier in this series that sounds real similar to what we're going to address today. It's actually the kissing cousin uh, to worry. It's that issue of fear. What are you afraid of? And some people kind of get those mixed because they are kissing cousins. And, and, and the point of calling them kissing cousins, it just ain't right. It ain't good, neither one of them. And together, it's really bad. But they are different and distinct. There is a difference. And now Jesus asks this question, what are you gaining? What are you giving away because you have surrendered your life to this issue of worry? Studies have been done. And I want you to think for a minute over the years of your life, however many years it's been, and take a look at your timeline and your history, your whole life, and what percentage of your life have you spent worrying about something? Think about it. Think about all the issues. As I put this together, my daughter who's at school has a crazy Siberian Husky, and, and while it was game night last night and she had him on a lead rope, he got out, lost his collar, there's no identification, and she was worried all night long. I'll never find him, I'll never, and we had to listen to it for an hour. I tried to shut it down 30 minutes in with the sermon material I'm giving you today, and it didn't go very far. She was worried to death. Hour later, she found the dog just two houses down from where she'd been worrying for the last two hours. We spent so much of our time. What percentage of your life have you wasted in worry? Research tells us that 86% of people surveyed describe themselves as worriers. And don't point at somebody this morning. Don't jab them this morning. Don't point them out. But the majority of us struggle with the issue of worry. Research revealed that we spend an average, listen to this, of one hour and 50 minutes a day, one hour and 50 minutes a day fretting about something. Now, if it was 11 o'clock yesterday afternoon, it was much longer than an hour and 50 minutes. And what did that worrying do? Got us nothing but more problems and agitation. Do you realize that if you added up all of that over the course of an average lifespan of 64 years, and most live longer than that, we would have wasted away, listen to this, five years worrying. Let's go back to the question. Who gets to add an hour? Oh, we don't add an hour. We don't lose an hour. We'll lose five years of our life because we cave in to the issue of worry. Worry is the enemy's poison to rob us of what God wants to do in our lives in the very current moment. And worry doesn't have to be our reality, no matter what our reality is. And we may know that here, but why can't we experience it here? Well, Jesus challenges some of those things. God's word challenges. As a matter of fact, we were looking at one of those verses just a moment ago, an anchor for our soul. Philippians, write it down in your notes. It was on the screen earlier with the chair warriors. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 says, Don't be anxious or worry about anything. 
Now, that sounds like a cold, hard preacher just saying, well, you just not relating to how I feel. I get it. I understand. And I struggle with certain worries. It is a human experience. And I'm not minimizing your circumstance or the thing you're worrying about. I'm not detached from that, and neither was Jesus, but God's word reminds us, if you live in the land of worry, you're going to waste life. But instead of responding in worry, what can we do? Notice he gives instruction in every, what? Situation. In other words, there's not an out clause. Well, I get it, and I don't worry about much, but I do have this thing. The Bible says in every situation. That covers everything. There's not a situation you can name that gives you permission to waste your life worrying. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, yes, we still come in prayer. Yes, we're still engaged. We're not ignorant to it. We don't bury our heads in the sand. We do engage, but we engage with a heart of thanksgiving, not a heart of worry. And why can I do that? Why can I engage with thanksgiving? Because I can know this, God's got it. God's got it. And I may not understand it, and I may not be enjoying it, but I got this. God is the Lord of all things, and he will work everything together for good because I do love him, and he gave me that promise. And so I can live in thanksgiving and not in worry. But notice, he says, with that thanksgiving, you still make those requests known to God. You still talk to him about it. You still engage with the Lord about it. You still say, Lord, I got this, and Lord, I'm not going to cave into it, and I'm not going to let it enslave me. It's not going to be my master But God, I'm calling on you as my master to be the master of it. Jesus said, you get to pick. You can't have two masters. You can't call me your Lord and your master and let this issue be your master. You can't have peace in that. It will destroy you. Sorry about the microphone, guys. I don't know how to fix that. Matthew chapter 6, let's go back to verse 28. Let's look at the reality. So Jesus starts to break that down more. He said, so why are you worried about, and look at what we worry about. Oh, and this works on a Sunday morning, doesn't it? How many times did you change clothes before you figured out what you were going to do to please all of us this morning that we haven't even noticed what you're wearing yet? Unless you're wearing what another lady's wearing next to you. Then I get that's trouble, that's problems. Worried about what we wear, what we look like on the outside. We worry about so many other things. He said, well, take a look around. Look at my creation. You don't have to worry about how pretty it is. It isn't focused on those things. Why are you? And not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like, I've clothed my creation. Here you are trying to look all snazzy and all good, verse 30. And if God clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more take care of you and clothe you, you of little faith? Boy, it's, it's amazing what little things can rob us of great faith. Do not worry then. Don't be worried, what will we eat? See, some of you are already worried about what's happening at lunch, where you're going to get it, are we going to get there in time, or is the preacher, you're worried about me going too long because you're not going to get to eat on time? Why are you worried? What will we drink? What will we, and he goes on and on in the list. What are we going to do about the virus? What are we going to do about our government? What are we going to do to keep our jobs? What are we going to do? What's going to happen to my wayward child? What am I going to do about my cancer? What am I going to do about my retirement? What about inflation? Oh my goodness, have you seen the price of gas? Worry, worry, worry. I get it. There's a lot of situations that aren't real pretty in this world. But look at verse 32. Jesus says, remember this. 
Even the Gentiles, speaking of those not of faith, eagerly seek these things. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Why would you worry unless you can't trust me as your master? Why are you going to live like the rest of the world and give away your life under this issue of worry? And he says, I got this. The Heavenly Father will take care of his kids. So he's got it. Unless you struggle believing he has the resources. Unless your daddy doesn't deliver. Never saw a kid on the playground and said, you know what? You know what? You know what? Your daddy can whip my daddy. Yeah, you need to know that. My daddy's a sissy. Oh, man, my daddy's got it. My daddy has all the resources. The problem is our focus. You see, if we have the wrong focus, we're always going to get the wrong answer. Let me just prove it to you. Now, you got to wake up. Sit up straight. Sit up straight. You're going to get challenged here, all right? I'm going to challenge you. You've got to really work it with me real fast. It's hard in the early service. Here we go. I'm going to have you do some math. I'm going to get you focused with some math problems. Here you go. You ready? Answer these as fast as you can. Ready? 5 plus 5. 6 plus 4. 15 minus 5. 5 times 2. What are aluminum cans made out of? Wrong. Aluminum. I told you what they're made out of. They're made out of aluminum. You said 10. What in the world? See, you were focused on the wrong thing. So let me make it easy for us rednecks in Oklahoma. Let's talk cows. You ready to talk cows? What I want you to do under your own breath, just in your own head, because it'll get too loud in here, you're going to say a word. You're going to say it uh, five times as fast as you can. Say it five times as fast as you can in your head. And then I'm going to ask you a question. Ready? Set? Here's what you do. Say the word silk five times as fast as you can. Quick. What do cows drink? No, they do not drink milk. They give milk. They drink water. Don't be blaming it on the millennials. You guys got as many issues as they do, all right? Try one more time. I'm going to try. Now, how many of you are good spellers? Good spellers in the room? You can spell. Let's make it easier for you. You ready? Spell the word boast. Spell the word coast. Spell the word most. What do you put in a toaster? Some of you are wising up now. You've learned. You've learned. How many said toast? You still got issues, all right? Now, how did you get that one right and miss the first two? You learned to focus differently. If, you, if I'd given you the toaster first, you would have said toast, I promise you, the first time. But now you've learned to focus deeper and better. If we don't have our focus right, and that's what Jesus is trying to do, is trying to help them see their focus. So let me show you the focus. You want to get over worry? You want to quit wasting five years of your life? Go to verse 34, or 33. Verse 33. So Jesus said, let me give you an alternative. You worry about all these other things? Number one, focus on this. If you'll let me be your master, I got this. I'm your daddy. Number two, if you'll learn to focus, how? Verse 33. Instead of seeking all these things, what am I going to wear? How am I going to feel? What are they going to say? How's it going to go? What if we live, verse 33, seek first his kingdom? What if every morning when we woke up, instead of waking up to worry or what's going on in the world or what's going to go on in my day, what if I woke up just strictly focused on the king, my master? What if I woke up every day seeking first the kingdom of God before I sought a newspaper, 
a Facebook post, a breakfast table, or even a shower? What if the very first thing we did every day was to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? And Jesus said, listen, everything else will get added to you, I promise. It's an issue of our focus. And so he goes on in verse 34, and he says, so don't worry about tomorrow. You see, instead of seeking the provisions of this physical world and our needs, which leads to worry, if we will seek first the kingdom of his provision, the kingdom of God and the king of that kingdom, everything else will fall into place. So don't worry about tomorrow. Some of you are worried about what's going to happen when you show up for work tomorrow. Uh, next hour, there's some students worried about a test that they got to take come Monday or if they're going to have a friend or if this is going to go well. And we can find all these things to worry about tomorrow. But Jesus said, each day has enough troubles of its own. Why are you going to add today plus another day of trouble and let that be your reality? Don't do it. Experience this day, the day that I've made. Rejoice and be glad when? Today. Yet too many of us lose today because we're worried about tomorrow or yesterday. And what are the things that rob us of that focus? Well, number one, we find it in Mark chapter 4. You can turn there, hold your place, we'll be back to Matthew Mark chapter 4, we find that one of the things that robs us of joy is the worries of this world. In Mark chapter 4, verse 18, it says, And others are the ones he was given the parable of the seeds and the different hearts that receive from God what he wants to give them through his word. And he said, There are the other ones whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in, choke out that word, and it becomes unfruitful. The worries of this world. The worries about what's going on in this world. The worries about what's going on in my world. All of that can rob my joy if I let it be my master. Number one, it's the worries of this world. He also says in verse 19 that there's another issue. It's the worries of our wealth. Look at it again, verse 19. The worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. It's the curse on our land. It's a curse of being a prosperous nation. It's a curse of being a nation that is richer than all other nations. That is our God. And we want to be richer and we want more stuff. And we don't need God, we just need more stuff. The worries of our wealth, that also can choke out the joy of a life. And number three, it's also the desires for other things and the worries about other people. What other people think, what other people are doing. There's a story about a pastor who had come to his last Sunday with his church. He announced his resignation. He gave his last sermon, and as he went to the back of the church, there was an endearing old member of the congregation who was weeping big, huge crocodile tears. And as she walked up to him, and as she was shaking his hand, and said, things will never be the same, Pastor. The minister tried to console her, and he said, don't worry, I'm confident that you'll get a new pastor who's even better than me. He continued to sob and cry, and she said, that's what the last three pastors have said, and they just keep getting worse. She was worried about the next pastor. It's easy to get worried about other people. 
It's easy to get worried about what other people might or might not do to us or how they might like us or might not like us, whether they're following us on Facebook or not following, whether they liked it, commented, whatever you do on Facebook, get all caught up in that stuff. Jesus, as we've talked about before, showed up at Martha and Mary's house. It was to be a time of joy, a time of celebration, a thanks-forgiving moment, a family dinner, and you remember the story. Martha is in the kitchen, and she is working hard, just like many will today, to provide us a great time to celebrate. And there she was, slaving over the stove, and there was her little sister just sitting in the living room, watching the football game with Jesus. And she's like, what's up with this? Why does she get to be a bum, and I got to do all the work? And she comes to Jesus and complains about her sister, worried about what she's doing and what she should be doing. Remember what Jesus said to her? Martha, Martha, you are worried about so many things. It's robbing the joy. It's stealing your day. You've been doing these great things to honor and serve me, but guess what? There's no joy in the service because you're worried about somebody else. What if we took our eyes off of other people and just kept our eyes on him? What if we quit worrying about whether somebody was doing what they should be doing, just allow God to do what he wants to do in us? That may be a different focus. Number four, another worry that grabs our heart is the worries about the past, the issues of our past, the crippler of the issues, because everybody in this room has a past. I told you before, I don't know how the Apostle Paul preached to the Gentiles or preached to his audience and before he'd ever preached to the Gentiles many times he would go in first to the synagogue or the places where the Jews were gathered and he'd preach to them first and how could he preach to them about the love of God and the grace of God when he had murdered many of their relatives and many of their friends he had a past and he said I have to forget what lies behind I can't worry about that any longer I can't let it haunt me I can't let it own me I have to forget what lies behind and then there's a fifth worry it's the worry of tomorrow what about tomorrow what's coming when am I going to get that doctor's report what if things don't go well what what about this or what's going to happen at my work or what's going to happen in my retirement what's going to happen we worry about tomorrow Albert Einstein was traveling from Princeton on a train, and the conductor came through and was punching all the tickets. Back in those days, they punched tickets. And he looked around in his trousers, in his coat pocket, in his briefcase. He couldn't find his ticket, and he started to panic. And he began to scourge through all the stuff, and he couldn't find the ticket. And finally, uh, the, the master came there, the ticket master conductor, and he said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. You ride this train all the time. I know who you are. I know you have a ticket. We're fine. He said, no, 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 I've got to find my ticket. I've got to find my ticket. And the conductor moved on. Kept moving through the rest of the cars, and he looked back again, and he saw Dr. Einstein crawling on the floor, looking underneath the seats, just freaking out that he couldn't find his ticket. And he said, I told you, Dr. Einstein, there's no problem. You don't need a ticket. I know who you are. He says, well, I know who I am, too. I just don't know where I'm going. <laughs> he had a right to be worried in that moment. <laughs> well, do you know where you're going? Now, I would tell you there's an issue that should capture your heart. There is an issue of tomorrow you better find peace in. Where am I going? 
when I take my last breath. What is that reality? Jesus spoke to that reality as well in John chapter 14. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You don't have to live in fear about tomorrow. You don't have to live in fear about eternity. He said, listen, I go to prepare a place for you. You don't have to fear tomorrow. You can have assurance that no matter what happens to you tomorrow, I still got this. And you can have certain peace. And you can be with me in all of glory. You don't have to worry. But if you don't know where you're going, today you ought to be the first one down the front here. And you ought to nail that down. You ought to find that peace and find your master. We can go from worry to life that is worthy. We can live under the oppression of worry or we can live in the freedom of worship. But it only comes when we seek first the kingdom of God. Not mine, not yours, but his. And in that, as you seek first the kingdom, you get to experience the joy of salvation. The gift that God gives you every single day. Now, if you don't want to listen to the preacher... Listen to a panda. Watch this. Probably. Why? Man, you should have seen them. They totally hate me. Totally. How's Shifu ever going to turn me into the dragon warrior? I mean, I'm not like the five. I've got no claws, no wings, no venom. Even Mantis has those thingies. Ah. <sighs> Maybe I should just quit and go back to making noodles. Quit. Don't quit. Noodles. Don't noodles. You are too concerned with what was and what will be. There's a saying. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That is why it is called the present. All worried. How am I going to be a warrior? How am I going to move out of my past and become something special in the future? And I know it's not Yoda, but I call him Yoda. Yoda Turtle. Dude, you're missing it. You're all messed up from the past. That's history. You're all messed up, worried about tomorrow. That's a mystery. You're missing the gift of today. That's why it's called the present. How do you live in the present? One last verse and we close. Go to Psalm 34, verse 4. Here we go. Psalm 34, verse 4 says, I sought the Lord. That's what we're about to do. I'm going to give you a chance to seek the Lord in this moment. He answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears and my worries. Verse 17. So the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and he delivers them from all of their troubles. God says, I got this. But I only get it, I only got it if you give it to me. Let's do that. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Unless somebody can stand up and say, man, no, it's better if I hang on to it. I'm a testimony. I've gained an hour in my life from my worries. Then I'll listen to your sermon. But I'd rather listen to Jesus. Jesus said it won't work. It will never bring joy. It will never add to your life. It will only rob you. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He does that with riches, 
He does that with worries about tomorrow, worries about this and that, the deceitfulness of our riches and the things that we pursue and the things of this world. And Jesus says, no, come on, be a part of my kingdom. And I would say to you today, if God is not your king, if you've never made him the king of your heart, that's why you don't have peace and you should be worried about tomorrow. But Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And anyone who believes in their heart that I am the way, the truth, and life, they shall be saved. You don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to think, what happens next? God's got it. But you've got to give them your heart. You've got to give them your life. If you've never done that, you'd be the first to come. We've already prayed over this altar. You respond to what we were praying for earlier, for God to save somebody. You need to come. Maybe you haven't been seeking God's kingdom. You haven't been a part of a church family, and you need a church family that you would be a part of, and you need to join this fellowship of believers. We'd invite you to come. Maybe you just need to lay a worry at the altar. You can do that and say, God, I give it to you. I'm going to lay it down right here, and I'm going to let it go. How do you need to respond this morning? What will be your step of obedience? Lord, I pray that we would simply do that, obey your voice. Whatever you have spoken, whatever you have shown this morning, God, may we be faithful to honor you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.